Hello humans, hello humans. March 21, heading on towards noon, heading on the outward bound uh, leg of things. So I've got all my chores done and now I'm going to head back into the um, wild part of the county to make it out to the coast and get home. Uh, some interesting things with banks and that kind of stuff going on, uh, but I've talked about that on the way in. And now I want to talk about something that probably isn't going to interest hardly anybody at all, and that is the um, uh, the physics of our reality. But I may say some bad words about uh, physicists and mathematicians and stuff, so that might be interesting. Anyway, so here's here's the general sketch of things. Um, we had a theory of the ether, and in the 1800s, it was like 1880. Uh, there was this, um, the Mitchelson and uh, Moray experiment that, that they said at the time disproved ether, the, the ether model. <clears throat> and since then, this is in the 1880s, and then over the next few years, we get into the period of time where we start getting into both the emergence of um, Tesla Nikola Tesla and his uh, fantastic uh, uh, innovations. Now, that guy operated on an ether understanding of reality. And he invented all of the electrical devices that we use today. Uh, you know, I mean, they've refined them since and other, others have added on to it, but he invented all of the core stuff and made it all work. And um, so he shifted us, so that single individual shifted us effectively uh, into the electric age. Uh, you know, from wood, coal, gas, that kind of thing for energy. So he shifts us into electricity. And as humans evolve, we evolve basically from dealing with energy in lumps into dealing with energy in more and more ephemeral forms, you know, um, uh, oil and then gas and then electricity, right? They are less dense as we go along. So anyway, so we have this... Um, understanding of the ether that a bunch of guys make an experiment uh, it related to the earth I won't go into the details they the experiment was badly designed if in fact they actually did it that way I think that they designed the experiment badly they wanted to prove the ether was not uh, factual in order that it would derail a bunch of things it did derail a bunch of things but nonetheless Tesla still was hanging on to the ether and uh, invented all this stuff Einstein and all these other people, at the same time that Tesla was doing his stuff, were coming up with all this quantum bullshit, okay? I say bullshit because since we have gotten into the whole idea of quantum, entanglement, all of this other stuff, we've had no advancement. And so um, Tesla had, I don't know many, I don't know how many hundreds of patents um, around the use of electricity, AC, DC, uh, commutators, uh, all these different devices that he made. And Einstein has one little tiny patent relative to a tiny uh, part in a refrigerator. And so that gives you the idea of the ether is very much more powerful than all this quantum shit. And even Einstein could not reconcile all the quantum shit. And we've been in a stagnant position ever since. Even with the uh, 1952 advent of the explosion of a fusion weapon, that fusion weapon arguably even through Feynman's own equations, was developed off of um, an ancillary part of one of Maxwell's equations 
and those are are essentially derived from an etheric understanding of reality. And so quantum, in my opinion, is bogus, bullshit, dead end, never going to go anywhere. And they started trying to make quantum work, and they came up with this other thing, which they called the string theory. And string theory was like, um, it was not just a cul-de-sac where you could mill around and, and do stuff, right? The string theory was almost as though it was designed to give physicists and mathematicians an area to go and create new stuff that would have absolutely no effect on the material world, because that was the end result. And so since we've come up with Einstein, uh, what, 100 years now? Um, so uh, basically, we've been frozen in the quantum world for 100 years, and quantum is never going to take us anywhere, isn't going to do shit, and uh, they've abandoned all of the um, approaches that were leading us through, like um, electrogravitics, the T. Townsend Brown approach, uh, all of these kind of things have been abandoned because of the uh, Kazarian Mafia pushing us into a Kazarian Mafia guy's idea, which was Einstein and the quantum mechanics, okay, quantum relativity. And so all of that is bullshit. Now, um, nobody will, nobody who is a uh, all right, so the vast majority, like the majority of physicists are Ashkenazi Jews. They don't understand their relationship to the Khazarians, and that's fine, right? They're just regular people being abused by the Khazarians by the, like the rest of us. But they've been given a view of the world that's not factual. Their view of the world says that, you know, the Ashkenazis dominate physics. Well, they dominate physics not because they're smart, but because of the barriers to entry they put in for other people and other ideas. So my point being that nobody is going to give, nobody in officialdom is going to give my ideas here any credence whatsoever, but I'm factually much closer to, to description of reality than is Einstein. And this will be proven, I think, fairly shortly, like within the next couple of years. Um... Anyway, so I've tumbled to the um, uh, the single uh, point of reference that uh, both that relegates Einstein to even lower than Newton, because Einstein's shit does not work at all. Um, but it puts him in his place, right? And it also allows all of the physicists who are still trapped in quantum reality and stuff and out. Okay, because here's the situation. So. Uh, let's describe something. My, my point, by the way, is what we would call anti-gravity. I don't believe gravity exists, though. It's not what we think it is. And so this is a big stumbling block. If you're trying to become, uh, if you're trying to do anti-gravity and gravity doesn't exist, then you're trying to be anti-something that doesn't exist and you'll never succeed. So I could be anti-rain and I would invent an umbrella right? But if I'm anti-gravity, and it's not actually gravity that's that's holding everything together, then my waveform or whatever the fuck I'm going to try and do, my umbrella to gravity won't work. Uh, because gravity itself doesn't exist the way that rain exists, okay? So we're talking about the natural material world. I'm not going to talk about the, much anyway, about any of the formulae or the variable aspects or functions in any of this, right? I'm not going to talk about the math aspect of it because I'm much more interested in the practical aspect. I want my floaty RV. And so, um, you know, so I want the ability to what we would call levitate. Okay, so all of these words are related to the idea that gravity exists. And we have gravity very, very, very clearly defined uh, by quantum uh, relativity or by um, uh, general relativity, the GR, they call it. Um, 
we have uh, uh, all of this stuff very well detailed. They've gotten formula about it. They've examined it. They've thought about it. They've mathematized it up its ass and back out again. And we go nowhere. You know, we don't get anywhere. We've got an understanding of gravity, they say, mathematically, but that mathematic understanding it doesn't work. It's bogus to begin with, right? Because basically the mathematics comes down to this conundrum. And here's the conundrum. From a physics viewpoint, gravity is the big deal, right? It's the ultimate everything. Gravity holds planets together. Gravity moves, um, uh, holds galaxies together. Gravity moves, uh, you know, everything, <laughs> right? Gravity holds you to the planet. Gravity is theoretically causing all of the actions that cause the, the oceans to have waves, all of this different kind of stuff. But gravity is also called the weak force. And here's the deal. Gravity will hold Earth in its relationship to the sun. Okay, gravity is hugely powerful. But I can sit here and I can send a little tiny microcurrent of electricity down one of my nerves, and it activates little micro uh, electrical impulses in my muscles, and some muscles contract and others expand, and I stand up. And so I've overcome gravity. I've overcome the strongest force that's in the world, but it's also labeled as the weak force, because we can do that. We can stand up and move and shit, right? Okay, so. This is the conundrum that all of uh, physics uh, is uh, uh, facing, right? Dealing with. Now, I've been reviewing a lot of videos uh, from physicists as they discuss all of this stuff before I get into my next bit of uh, deep thinking about all of these things on my way towards engineering a floating RV. And so I'm sitting there thinking about it, working it and stuff, and it's like, these people have a, uh, okay, so general relativity, Einstein, all the physicists, all the mathematicians, uh, since that time, all believe uh, and are operating on a hidden assumption, a hidden assumption that they never, ever, ever question. They do not even know they are making this assumption. Now, they make all kinds of assumptions in their math, and they're trying to do things, and, and, um, uh, come up with mathematical formulae that will allow them to change variables and thus maybe we can make a device and, and get more in-depth in our handling of stuff in, in terms of the material world, in matter. But the assumption that they're making is that gravity is constant, and I'm not talking about the constant in a, um, a, a sense of a, a, you know, a mathematical constant, that is to say a, a, a number that is not variant, but they're talking about constant through time. All right, so when they think about that, they say, blah, 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 you know, gravity and so on, and they put time in their equations. But they have an underlying assumption that is not valid, that invalidates all their work, and they're never going to get anywhere. And that is, and Tesla did not have this assumption in his work with the um, uh, inventing electrical devices and stuff, because he was coming from an etheric viewpoint, right? From that we live in an ether. Anyway, the assumption, the hidden assumption to all of their work, the, the clue that would allow like um, uh, Avi Loeb or um, Eric Weinstein to get further along. They won't listen to me, right? And if they did listen to me and it affected their, their thinking, 
maybe Avi. Avi's a very honest, intellectually honest kind of a guy, I think. And I, I have great respect for Eric Weinstein, but I don't know that his mind would allow him to accept what I'm going to say from me, okay? And so maybe he would accept it. Maybe he'd have to, his mind would have to come up with some other way to think that he invented it or something, right? Just because of the nature of his personality. I like the guy. Don't get me wrong, okay? I like the guy. And, you know, everybody irritates me, and I'm sure I irritate the fuck out of everybody. So, uh, so just because I find parts of his personality grating doesn't mean that I don't like him. And I even respect those parts that, that irritate me. <laughs> okay. Anyway, though, here's the thing. Uh, I've, I've looked at his geometric unity and it actually followed some of the things I was doing at one point, which was this postulate of, um, multiple, uh, uh, hidden dimensions of, uh, the material world and it's a dead end it doesn't get you anywhere and it's also uh, not factual and there's an easier way to get around all of this stuff and and it's a weird goofy idea these physicists and these mathematicians they just won't give it credence okay but if you were to uh, take away the assumption that time is invariant that time is a thing that um, persists on its own and is is there, then it alters all of the math for everything, including gravity. If you take away the idea that time is perpetual, and well, I don't want to say that, that time is constant. If you take away the idea that time is constant, then all of the problems that general relativity, general relativity tried to solve and never succeeded in solving, all of those problems go away. They're instantly, easily able to be addressed. Okay, gravity as a force goes away if you have the continuous uh, creation-destruction model of the ether instead of the invariant time, invariant constant general relativity. So Einstein froze everybody in a mathematical uh, construct that's, that's bogus. It's, it's nowhere, nowhere does it reflect our actual reality. It reflects and, and uh, encapsulates conclusions based on observations that are not supported by the reality itself. Now, maybe they did it deliberately. Maybe it was, uh, you know, that he was just kind of dumb and couldn't think his way out of it. I don't know what the cause is, but it, it, if it was designed to hamstrung, to, to seize and, and cripple our civilization and not allow us to have any scientific or technical progress beyond a certain point, string theory and general relativity and quantum mechanics are all perfect for that because they they stopped our society from doing diddly squat. We haven't invented shit since Tesla in a primary uh, way, right? We've come up with no new fundamental theories and no new fundamental breakthroughs within our material reality since the 1930s since Tesla in there. Yes, we've exploded nuclear bombs, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a, that was based on, on science and technology we knew in the, in 1900. And in fact, we knew it in, in, um, 1860 in the civil war, they were, uh, examining the idea of, uh, uh, fusion weapons. They, they, the mathematicians, they weren't thinking about it that way. They were just examining mathematical equations that basically came out to, uh, dealing with fusion weapons. And in fact, Feynman uh, references those in one of his lectures. Anyway, though, so to continue, the, the whole thing is that, 
that they have this idea that time is invariant, that time is perpetual. Now, in my model of the continuous destruction, uh, continuous creation destruction model, time only exists um, in these pulses, okay? And in between the pulse, there is no time. And the, this, this pulse, there's 22 trillion of them a second. So time is flashing extremely fast, far faster than our minds and our bodies and our sensory apparatus, our eyes, ears, etc., could ever, ever, ever reach. So we'll never get to the point where we can like hear reality creating itself 22 trillion times a second. And this is by design that we should not know that we're not living in a material world. And because time is flashing 22 trillion times a second, coming into existence and then fading out uh, nearly instantaneously, it is just not quite instantaneous, right? So time persists for that 22 trillionth of a second, and then it, it disappears for an interval that has no time. So there's no point in attaching a number to it, you know, but but it does exist that there's the... the um, a second in our reality is divided into 44 trillion parts, but half of those, 22 trillion of them, have no time in them at all. So for certain calculations, you can just disregard those. And so that's why I say that there's a pulse 22 trillion times a second. There's a void 22 trillion times a second, and it is that void that causes... Um, those effects in the materium that allow our mind to see these things as as constant. And so we've got to get really into definitions here. So time is perpetual. It lasts, it goes on forever. Time is continuous from one 22 trillionth part of a second to the next 22 trillionth part of a second. But it is not constant because there is a void in there where time does not exist. During this void, all of matter rearranges itself. Uh, it doesn't, okay, it, it gets real tricky from this point on because you have to start talking about some really esoteric internal kinds of things. Because the nature of our reality is that no, all of the molecules are not rushing around trying to shift themselves into some other position because of the nature of the molecule carrying the space and the time with it. Um, continuously, it's not like uh, you know, bazillions of little tiny billiard balls that have to go and rearrange themselves before the next pulse in order that it might um, be there. Uh, it's much more akin, and it's even this is a, a, a metaphor and a very loose kind of one at that, but it's much more akin that there's a switch that turns off all of our perception for 120, uh, 22 trillion times a second, and during that period of time, matter is rearranged from where our minds thought it was, and thus when it reappears, uh, it's in an ever so slightly um, uh, shifted position relative to our understanding of the reality that's out there. So in a sense, you could say that all of reality, 22 trillion times a second, is rearranging itself in our minds, okay, uh, in our perception. So it is both and, all right? So it's both of those and neither of those because it gets really complex when you get down into the actual math of the thing. So now this, if, so, so this is kind of like a challenge. I don't expect him to ever listen to me. I, it's my understanding uh, that I've pissed off Eric, 
somehow, right? And so maybe I've pissed him off because I contacted him and asked him, uh, maybe it was even rude, asked him some details about his unified geometry thing and he told me to piss off. I may, I, this was so long ago, this was like, you know, maybe a decade ago, um, long time ago. Uh, but it was so long ago, I don't remember how I responded when he told me to, to he didn't have to supply the details and, and I wasn't credentialed, so he didn't even have to talk to me. Uh, I took that as very rude, and I still think of that as very rude now. And I may have responded to him at that point by saying, well, you know, uh, go fuck yourself or something. I don't know. But so I may have pissed him off. In any event, he's, he's not talking to me. He isn't listening to any of my communications, this kind of thing, right? And so... Um, uh, but if he were to, to understand that time is not solid, it isn't the constant, if he puts time in a variable, uh, in its various, even as existence, then gravity itself goes away. Because then you don't need gravity, right? Then you can postulate a world, a, a reality, a materium, wherein uh, I'm sitting on the, on the chair now, and then... Uh, you know, so many 22 trillionths of a second uh, later, maybe it's going to be, uh, you know, um, 10 trillion of those, right? Maybe 10 trillion little pulses later, I'm standing up. But I'm standing up and I don't have to fight gravity or anything. All I have to do uh, mechanistically in this understanding is to not participate for that 22 trillionth of a second in the magnetism that's gluing all of reality together. And so my mind basically um, moves me independent of the reality. And, and we know this, if you wanted to get into the math involved and stuff, you can prove that this is factual by examining the idea that uh, our bodies do not fuse to anything. That there is, so in this materium, there is this idea of co-impenetrability. So my molecules in my hand are not, not merging into the molecules of the plastic wrap around my steering wheel. And I can remove my hand later on. Well, if gravity actually worked the way that um, Einstein and general relativity came up with, and that all the gravity mavens have worked with since, except for the anti-gravity guys in the 1950s, who we think went dark in the deep projects, um, but if gravity worked the way that general relativity said, then my the molecules of my hand should actually fuse to whatever I'm I'm holding, uh, just because of the because the general relativity does not cover the whole issue of co-impenetrability of matter, and that co-impenetrability is instantly covered by uh, what I call the wobble, and that is this 22 trillion times of a second. Uh, uh, creation and destruction uh, in order that there might be movement and power and, and energy within the universe. And so general relativity does not describe where energy comes from. It doesn't, it sort of half-assed tries to describe various different types of energy, but in my, um, my understanding and my etheric uh, refinement of the uh, ether idea here with the 22 trillion times of a second uh, continuous destruction uh, or creation destruction model. In that model, um, all of this stuff is easily explained. Co-impenetrability, gravity, uh, time, you, but you rearrange things from an Einsteinian perspective. You do not put time as a constant. Time, in fact, is the uh, result of a function. 
And so there's the time tensor. And, uh, and gravity doesn't exist. You don't even worry about gravity. It's not a force. All of these um, extraneous weak force, strong force, all of the Large Hadron Collider, all of that stuff has been a giant waste of time uh, and a huge waste of money caused by general relativity, which is a wrong understanding. It arose as a result of the people faking the, in my opinion, the results of the Mitchelson Mori experiment in the 18, I think it was like 1883 or something, right? 1880s. And there was a guy that, um, maybe it was in the 70s, 60s or 70s, when they were starting to do the whole idea of space station, right? Go to the moon and then then have a space station and stuff. He worked out a bunch of stuff, and and I don't know who it was. This he was like a Polish mathematician, and it was either a relative of his or someone that had worked with him. Um, and so he did his work in like the 50s and 60s and 70s, and then he passed in the 80s. But in like the late 90s or the early 2000s, a relative of his. Um, who at that time, this arose out of uh, the Czech Republic uh, during all of their chaos and stuff. Um, but this guy came up and said, if we were to use, that we could duplicate the mitchelson moray experiment and prove the ether exists because we have the space station. And because the mitchelson moray experiment was done uh, based on, uh, basically what it was looking for was an etheric trail uh, being left in the ether by Earth as we passed through the ether. But their experiment was fucked, and, and the way they designed it was fucked. I mean, it was designed to fail, in my opinion. But anyway, so this guy, this Polish guy comes up with the math. His relative or someone that had worked with him uh, 20 or 30 years later proposes a way to do this with the uh, space station to prove uh, the ether because we would be able to observe it mathematically and, and, and physically uh, on the space station in a way that we could not do it on the earth itself while we're sitting on it. And so, um, in my opinion, we've actually proved that the ether exists, but no one pays any attention. It's all, you know, Kazarian mafia, big system, big physics. So we have, you know, big banks, big government, uh, big intelligence agency, uh, you know, uh, big UN, you know, big pharma, you know, um, big CDC, all of these uh, centralized things. We also have big physics. We have big academia where the entry to the academia is controlled. Um, I never went beyond high school. I was offered uh, slots. Um, okay, so I, I won't go into all the details. I, but I, I left high school because I had credits and I didn't need to graduate. In that uh, period of time right then, I was offered a, a slot at uh, West Point. And I was also offered a slot um, at a Naval Academy. And uh, uh, I actually went and, and sort of like interviewed for the one for the Navy and then discovered they were going to shove my ass down in submarines because they were so desperate for people that understood... Um, engineering and had talent and all this kind of stuff. And no, guys, I ain't going to go and I love the sea, I love sailing on top of the water. I don't want to be underwater, right? There's nothing to see. Uh, you know, boring as fuck. So anyway, I decided not to accept that because no matter what I did, they were going to use my ability at math and this kind of stuff and put me on submarines. Um, anyway, so I didn't do any of that. Uh, but I could have. Uh, I was also, uh, you know, I was pressured to try and um, 
and get into colleges, and I was accepted by a bunch of them, and I didn't didn't even pursue any of them, right? Could have gone basically to any college I wanted. Uh, and this was when they were still teaching shit and not just gender studies and crap. However, I recognized from my own experience that far and having, you know, at, at 17 and 18, uh, having lived in the military for all of that time, I recognized that my personality type was not going to do well in the structured academic world. I would be continuously fighting it, and I would have to knuckle under in order to um, accommodate their system in order to progress myself within it. And I just decided it was too much fucking trouble, and that I would basically do the shit I wanted to do on my own and not worry about it. So, you know, I left high school and, and never looked back at um, the schooling system. But I recognized even then that ac academia was a closed system. It was a tight little club and they were never going to let me in. So there's no point in pursuing it. Now I find myself uh, possessing some interesting contacts to individuals who are following my work uh, and I'm talking about, you know, people that, that work in holes in the ground, that kind of thing, who are following my experiments with the mathematics and such. Uh, and I think I'm getting really close, and I think they think I'm getting really close. But in any event, though, so I can fix um, uh, Eric Weinstein's um, geometric unity. Not that it needs fixing. It's a perfectly good theory and all of that. It's just not, doesn't resemble our uh, material world, nor will it ever allow us to shift things out of constant figures into a variable state through functions, which is what's necessary to do engineering. You know, the, um, the functions of the spin of the electron, how much, uh, you know, voltage, wattage, etc. Right? Those kind of things. So anyway, um, I can fix it, but he's going to have to dump <laughs> all the same kind of stuff I dumped way back when, because it's not, it's, it, it's an elegant solution mathematically, but it is not a, um, uh, a factual representation of the material world that allows you to do anything. Uh, so basically, if you go tell uh, Eric Weinstein for his geometric unity theory that time does not exist except intermittently, yes, it's both continuous and perpetual, but not constant. If you tell him that, then he can plug time in as the result of a function, but it'll eliminate all of his uh, extraneous physical dimensions because they're not needed as soon as you grasp the idea that time is variable in that sense. And this also allows us to have perceptions of time. The time actually varies as well as our emotional um, a reaction to the time and our emotional uh, harmonization with that time. Uh, so we feel the variance. This is what uh, allows us to have temporal pressure on organisms. So in my way of thinking, I like the ether and I like this approach because it simplifies everything, right? You don't need all these other dimensions which don't exist and we have no proof of. Uh, you don't need, in string theory, there's no proof of any of the shit that's in string theory, it's a waste of time, doesn't get you anything, blah, blah, blah. And all of this is uh, available to us with one change of a thought. And that simply is that time is not uh, continuous, or is not constant. As soon as you understand that time is not constant, uh, then you can go on in and you say, wow, look what that does. If that's the case, then gravity need not exist as a separate force, because we're just basically dealing with the magnetism 
that glues everything back together after the um, uh, destruction of everything in the void period. And if you, if you think of things that way, then you get an entirely different view of our reality such that, uh, hopefully, all the math will work. We can come up with the formulas, uh, shift stuff out of um, uh, uh, invariance into variable states and start engineering, uh, you know, floaty RVs. Because, see, here's the thing. If gravity doesn't exist, if, if in fact... Uh, it's all magnetism at this level, then what happens is that 22 trillion times a second, your mind shifts your body relative to the um, greater uh, materium that we're in. And there is no gravity pulling you to the ground. For that one twenty-two trillionth of a second, you're magnetically attached to everything else in, in reality. And, and this also explains the, the continuous destruction our continuous creation destruction model also explains where the ether comes from, how it arises, its nature, and it describes the um, two different kinds of magnetism. The primary magnetism that glues reality back together and then flings it apart 22 trillion times a second, and then the residual, the persistent magnetism that we see within the materium that we use for electricity and shit like this. If these guys get this idea in their head, then fuck, we're into some heavy-duty engineering and we're out of the theoretical physics aspect into applied practical physics. And that practical physics is going to lead to a floaty RV. Anyway, guys, I'm here. I got to get some more stuff done. Um, uh, take care. We're coming up into the financial crash and stuff. Uh, we're going to get through all this shit. Um, we'll survive it all. Don't sweat it. We're going to suffer, but, uh, but we will, <laughs> we will survive. We will persist. We will get it done. And, um, things will be very much better after we get uh, shed of the illusions that are heaped on the illusion of our reality by the illusion that the Federal Reserve uh, is part of the federal government, has reserves, and is a bank, and it is none of those. So anyway, take care. Talk to you later.